I'm Halima Atta, and welcome back to another episode of A Little Perspective. So I was going to open up this episode by saying happy Friday, but then I realized that this episode is going to release on Saturday. So anyways, to those of you that are on spring break, even though I know most of my listeners haven't quite started it, although the demographics of my audience is definitely mixed. So to the half of you that are already on break, this Saturday is probably pretty insignificant for you because you've already been on vacation. But to those of you that are just now starting spring break, if you do spring break at all, happy Saturday. Anyways, um, for my anecdote of the introduction, SAT scores actually came out on Thursday. And funny story that's actually not very funny, but rather pretty inconvenient. I actually stayed up until 5 a.m. EST to view my scores, and they were not there. I got very little sleep, but I eventually got them, so it's all good. With that being said, though, I still have assignments that I need to complete for the next quarter. And despite it being break, I still have a few things to juggle other than that. And something I found through having to balance these activities is that when the workload increases, it's hard to find motivation to actually complete certain tasks. For me, this is completely in reference to the schoolwork I've been getting. It's been a bit difficult and at times a little overwhelming having to do so much given that it's the halfway point of the second semester. But ironically, some positive things have come out of my previously mentioned anecdotes full of incomplete assignments and stress. That is, the fact that those are experiences almost exclusive to all students navigating their way through the school system. Positive because it gave me the idea for this episode, which marks the second and, of course, final part of my newest two-part series on mental health. See, those overwhelming experiences that occur during the school year, fueled by tons of assignments and deadlines, ultimately lead to stress. That stress is what contributes to a decline in mental health that so many have experienced, most notably students like me and the many others listening right now. And to give a little more perspective on this issue, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, also known as the CDC, each year, an estimated one in five U.S. children experience a mental, emotional, or behavioral disorder, including anxiety, depression, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, and disruptive behavioral disorders. What this statistic tells me is that mental illness is a little more prevalent in children than many tend to think. So how does this relate to the school system? Well, with these rates beginning to increase as time progresses, it's becoming even more necessary for awareness to be raised in order to combat these rising numbers through the mode of education. Based on federal projections for fall 2021, over 50.6 million students are currently enrolled in American public schools, but oddly, that's where the problem begins. In order to inform the young adult population about mental health, teach them through schools, where the majority of those children spend the majority of their time. It seems like an obvious solution, but it's not being utilized. Because while millions of students are actively involved in the school system, mental health education isn't quite being implemented in the public institutes in which they attend. Despite suicide rates increasing between ages 10 and 24, from 6.8 per 100,000 in 2007 to 10.6 in 2017, public schools have been reluctant to prioritize mental health education. So why should mental health be prioritized in schools? How do mental health issues manifest themselves into the lives of students? And of course, have American schools been doing enough to combat this? Continue listening to gain a deeper understanding of this topic, featuring some insight from real students. It's no surprise, to me at least, that students are especially prone to developing mental health complications. The surprise, though, lies in the fact that the volume of those complications is increasing. Based on information from the CDC, the 12-month prevalence of major depressive disorder in U.S. adolescents increased from 8.7% in 2005 to 11.3% in 2014. 
And this statistic alone gives me insight on the source of these mental health blocks that are becoming all too familiar for the majority of American students. School. Now, obviously, school alone isn't to blame for every single issue emerging in students, although it is very tempting to blame it. But the clear truth is that many elements of the school system play a significant role in the decline in mental health in students. And in order to make an effort to combat this issue that continues to grow consistently every year, it's necessary to analyze some of the reasons as to why it exists in the first place. To start off with one of the most commonly known and recognized factors, there is a pressure to succeed academically. The school system teaches a very narrow idea of success to impressionable students from a young age. A common narrative, the primary way to be successful is to finish school with straight A's and attend a top-ranking college. And the more that one deviates from these ridiculously high standards, the less likely they are to have any sort of positive future ahead of them, and ultimately, the less potential they have to succeed. Clearly, this is a very harmful mindset, but for a myriad of reasons, with the worst example being the pressure it places onto adolescents, young adults, and generally speaking, children. For example, if you ask a given individual who's ever been a student what they think constitutes a successful student, grades are almost always the primary answer received. And this assimilation of perfect grades to success and anything less than that to subpar is why so many students feel that they can't keep up. It's a primary reason as to why those at these top-ranking, high-performing schools are categorized as an at-risk group in terms of mental well-being. And this is a topic that I've touched on multiple times, both in my stress episode and in my Flaws of the School System series. That's also a two-part series. So if you haven't listened to those, you should definitely check them out for a little bit more background and for a more in-depth explanation of why these narratives exist. To circle back to my main point though, not only does this enormous pressure placed on very impressionable students create stress and encourage the following of unrealistic standards, but it leads to mental turmoil, something that's almost ubiquitous within the American education system. Another reason for worsened mental health conditions within students can be considered a subcategory of the immense pressure so many are put under, which is what I just explained. Indecisiveness of future career paths. Yet another common narrative. Successful students leave high school to pursue a higher education in which they seek to gain expertise in prestigious fields such as law and medicine. Once again, those who deviate from those options through pursuing non-traditional career paths are viewed as unintelligent, unsuccessful students, among many other things. And through this, the education system and honestly, society as a whole strongly promotes the idea that children should know exactly what they want to do with their lives from a professional standpoint immediately upon completion of high school. But oddly enough, these suggested career path options are narrow. And this is a topic point that I wanted to include a quick example, something I've experienced recently. I was on Instagram the other day, and there was a graph, like the statistical graph, that showcased the percentage of students that wanted to be YouTubers, vloggers, uh, influencers, stuff like that in the future, compared to those who wanted to be like doctors, lawyers, stuff like that. And obviously, given this current generation and the prevalence of technology, social media, stuff like that, Most people, most students that were surveyed said that they wanted to become influencers or YouTubers, these non-traditional career paths. And the amount of backlash that that one statistical graph got from millennials and just older generations was crazy to me. I just think that it's so insane that a lot of people will promote you need to be the the idea that you need to be successful after high school, which is a fine thing to promote. Obviously, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it. 
But when the options are so narrow, you can either be a doctor or a lawyer. Those are the only prestigious things or like an engineer, stuff like that. Where are the people with other interests supposed to go? Like if everyone in the population miraculously becomes a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer, who's going to make YouTube videos for us? Who's going to make vlogs for us? We need we need them. No, but on a more serious note, as everyone can't be a doctor or an attorney, these traditional career paths or even pursue higher education for one, an increase in anxiety occurs, which is exactly how all of this links back to the worsening of mental health issues in students. This anxiety stems from the justified indecisiveness a growing amount of students feel towards picking their future careers. This anxiety only serves as a catalyst for other mental issues, something that can be observed in not just this aspect of the education system, but many others. Not to mention, the pandemic surely hasn't strengthened the mental health of students throughout the country. Although the pause that the economy experienced as a result earlier in the pandemic appeared to be brief and temporary, its effects on a large number of Americans have been anything but minimal. As tons of Americans had lost their jobs, their primary sources of income, others have noticed some significant mental changes occurring as a direct result of increased isolation, a shift in the traditional school environment, and growing concerns regarding the implications of the pandemic. In a recent study, researchers found that over 80% of college students reported that COVID-19 has impacted their lives through increased isolation, loneliness, stress, and sadness. And while the current date makes it too early to link these shifting mental health levels to shifting rates of suicide, school districts nationwide have noted a significant increase in attempts at self-harm altogether. Now consider this shift in the school environment given the pandemic and the pre-existing stressful expectations placed onto students, encouraged by the school system. Both the pandemic and societal expectations have worked in tandem to make this school year particularly difficult for students in terms of mental health issues and overall mental well-being. On a related note, what all of these statistics and recent findings allude to is a growing concern for mental health awareness and potential ways to lower mental illness rates. And of course, as many of these issues start in the classroom, encouraged by those previously mentioned factors, it's integral that efforts to reduce them occur in the same place. So here is a well-intentioned solution proposed by the federal government. Mental health education. This recent push for a spread of information pertaining to the importance of mental health has been implemented into various American public schools, with the hopes of declining these recent statistics. But while positive intentions can be clearly identified here, the actual execution of this proposed curriculum has been poor. Often, these programs have been found to be implemented poorly, with education officials almost reluctant to inform students about important information concerning something they experience at such high rates, mental illness. As previously mentioned, the 12-month prevalence of major depressive disorder in U.S. adolescents increased from 8.7% in 2005 to 11.3% in 2014, based on information from the CDC. But as schools are one of the reasons for these increasing trends, why haven't they been making a significant effort to stop them? But perhaps more important than all of these what-ifs and whys is the actual student's view of this particular issue. Given that I'm a student myself, and during a relatively challenging year of high school amidst a pandemic, a decline in mental health has been too familiar for many students, myself included. As expectations are continuously placed on growing learners and workload weight increases, anxieties rise, while leading many to prioritize their grades over their own mental health. But to shift back to the school system, many find that little is being done to combat this rise in mental health concerns. One would think that given the state of the country, its current state with the pandemic and everything, a push for better mental health care for students and better access to mental health education would be viewed as integral in the success of students, but it's not. And these statements aren't based off of my opinions alone. 
In fact, to ensure that wouldn't be the outcome, I decided to seek insight from those actually enduring these issues firsthand, my peers themselves, students. With growing concerns regarding the mental health of students, it's important to evaluate schools' effort to foster inclusivity towards those struggling with their mental health. Meaning, students have to take note of schools' progress with their implementation of the mental health curriculum, or lack thereof. And to take note of this, I decided to create a survey getting insight from exactly 50 students. So while the grade level of my respondents ranged anywhere from 6th grade to graduate school, it's especially important to note that the majority of respondents were either in their junior or senior year of high school, so I was surveying mainly upperclassmen, which is a very stressful grade level. So to delve right into responses, the second question I asked, besides grade level, of course, was do you find the mental health curriculum offered in your school to be helpful? The answer choices were yes, no, or somewhat. 68% of respondents said no, 30% said somewhat, and 2% said yes. So given that the answer choice yes is a minority here, it is very clear that the mental health curriculum that is supposed to be implemented in schools, public schools should I say specifically, has been ineffective. But what I want to highlight here is some of the responses that I got from people that answered. The first group of answers that I wanted to talk about relate specifically to the courses that are offered in terms of mental health, whether they're mandatory or not, and how often they were focused on. One respondent said they offer it. The course is mandatory, but it isn't necessarily helpful. The course only took place for a week, and after that, it was never talked about again. Another person said that it only lasts for a day, where we have no choice but to do it. Most of us just want to skip through it so we can leave school early. Throughout the school year, there's not much talk of mental health. So these two statements propose a very valid argument. While many schools have implemented mental health resources or education programs within their curriculum, they're not being practiced often enough. Mental health education isn't something that just occurs over the course of one early release day. It's not something that you can attend a seminar for and instantly know everything about. It has to be continuous, something that we can at least observe over the course of multiple months. And that's something that a lot of students, as shown by the survey responses, are not seeing within their schools. Another flaw of mental health education I wanted to get into was the actual content of these courses. Sure, it's one thing to have mental health curriculum, but what are they actually teaching in it? Here are just a few responses that I read. The mental health curriculum isn't realistic, being that warning signs or symptoms of mental health disorders are inaccurate. It doesn't accurately portray teens with mental health issues, making it ineffective. I feel like I can't necessarily connect with the resources on a personal level. For instance, I feel like I won't receive an adequate response that helps the struggles I'm battling. Rather than having a discussion that reflects upon the student's needs, the resources given can be better described as a quick fix, where the simple and hassle-free option is praised, while the serious and potentially helpful solution is more likely to be disregarded. It's common knowledge and gives no helpful information. It, they're referring to the mental health curriculum, is a general overview of stress and how to cope with it. But the courses don't mention burnout, which I've experienced the most junior year, and also don't explain other types of issues that are commonly faced in teens. It's pretty vague, and although many students struggle with mental health, constantly learning the same thing about bullying and dating violence since, like, elementary school does nothing. What answers like these tell me is that the mental health curriculum is definitely in place in a majority of public schools in America, but it's really not effective in terms of the content it provides. Many students have viewed and reviewed this curriculum to be basic and not very helpful in terms of each individual's needs. Providing definitions of stress is not mental health education. Those are simple definitions that can be looked up online. Mental health education in terms of schools have to be specific to students, what the general population of students need help with. And in terms of the content provided by this mental health curriculum, some students found it triggering to their own mental health issues. Here's a few of those responses. 
It makes me even more anxious because it's just another assignment. They don't actually teach it to us. When we did the mental health training earlier this year, it was insanely triggering to me and even affected my tick disorder, causing me to go a full week where the longest I went without ticking, except when I was sleeping, was probably 30 seconds. Moreover, another reoccurring theme I found was that a lot of teachers and staff members in the school system don't actually care about the mental health of the students that they teach. And because of this, mental health training is viewed as merely a box to check off by a lot of administrators. Here are some of those responses. I don't find it helpful because all they tell you is that if you need help, to go tell them. But they never check on you personally, and no one feels comfortable with actually telling anyone at school. I don't find it helpful because the teachers and just schools in general don't practice what they preach. They continue to disregard our mental health and then show us these lessons. It's quite hypocritical. Teachers assume that when students provide them with explanations that they are excuses. I've gotten late grades on assignments that I didn't do because I was having an anxiety attack during the time it was due. There's not enough attention brought to it. And when there is attention brought to it, it's very dismissive and unhelpful. So these responses tell me the same thing, obviously, something that doesn't relate to the content of the course of these mental health courses, but rather the people that are enforcing them. It feels very dismissive and again, at times unhelpful. And of course, not every single administrator or teacher or staff member or even any worker in the school system is like this. It's just that it's been observed so many times by the majority of students that it becomes an issue that has to be acknowledged. And, of course, some people felt moderate about this issue. Answering somehow, some of these responses read, It's not really focused on as much as I wish it could be. I see the effort being made to push mental health awareness, and the school is getting better at doing their part to help. It's nice that they're teaching it, but it just doesn't seem genuine. I feel like it is known among the school how they inform you about reaching out to the resources that the school provides, but sometimes it's not as welcoming or not as reliable as they think it is. I guess you could say the information is educational, but it's definitely not helpful. It seems like the school board is just trying to protect itself rather than actually trying to help the students who are actually struggling. The help doesn't feel sincere, and even if it was, it only feels like busy work. Not every student feels the same about the mental health curriculum, though. One student wrote, They do many talks, which are required as a freshman, and offer many resources that they remind you of consistently. But unfortunately, this one response was literally the only one of its kind. The only positive one that was completely positive. What stuck out to me, though, was the fact that so many respondents claimed that their schools did not have any type of mental health curriculum in place. Some of these responses included, I'm not even sure if we have one in place. No, because we do not have a mental health curriculum at all, which is extremely bad. We don't have any mental health curriculum. We're just told if we have any problems to go see the school counselor. They don't offer any mental health curriculum. And those are just a few. But what this ineffectiveness of the mental health curriculum alludes to is yet another issue. Misconceptions surrounding mental health in students, which make it significantly harder for those with mental health issues to receive assistance through things like accommodations. I wanted to highlight one response to my survey that read, they don't actually care about our mental health. They say they do until we actually need an accommodation. And this response particularly resonated with me. For those of you listening that don't know what an accommodation is in terms of the school system and everything, it's basically something that will allow students to complete assignments easier, more efficiently, that accommodate conditions like anxiety disorders or learning disabilities that they may struggle with. Some common examples include an accommodation that allows you to test in a separate room than other students, that allows you to get extra time on tests, that allows you to get extra time on assignments, stuff like that. So as I previously mentioned, this response definitely resonated with me because the entire reason I made this episode related to an experience that I had with accommodations. So a fact about me is that I actually have diagnosed OCD, 
also known as obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety and it's something that has been affecting like my schoolwork since I was a freshman in high school and given that it caused you know me to stress a lot more about my assignments to have a significantly harder time than a lot of my peers to complete work and assignments it was needed for me to get an accommodation and getting an accommodation like extended time on tests for example is something that is a very long tedious process And so the last step of the whole process is kind of negotiating the terms of the accommodation. For example, will you just be receiving an accommodation to test alone or will you be receiving extended time? Things like that. So flashback to a couple weeks ago, my mom was having a meeting with one of the school psychologists, counselors, in terms of what I would be receiving through my accommodation. And they were very, very, very reluctant to give me extra time on one premise, that I had good grades. And when I was initially told that I would not be allowed to receive accommodations because of these grounds, it reminded me just how prevalent a lot of these mental health misconceptions are, especially in the school system. Although I now have that accommodation, don't worry, I explained this in depth, it's really important to note that good grades doesn't equate to perfect mental well-being. People can experience mental health issues regardless of how they perform in school. But the biggest problem is that my good grades are not attained in the same way that somebody who doesn't have any type of disorder obtains their good grades. Sure, the surface level point of view is that I have good grades, I'm a good student, there's nothing wrong with me. But below that surface, it takes me hours and hours and hours to even just start a homework assignment, to even just focus, to even be able to read a paragraph without losing my attention span. A surface level viewpoint would indicate that I get a perfect amount of sleep because I'm always up on time for my classes, when that is not the case because many nights my compulsions drive me to stay awake to really late hours. What I'm getting to is that a lot of misconceptions like these infiltrate the school system and are the reason why it's so hard for so many students, not just people like me, but people with tons of other disorders, just mental health issues in general, to receive accommodations and to feel included in the school system. I know that sounds really, really corny, but it's something that a lot of the students, as indicated in my survey, feel. The notion that students who receive good test scores or good grades are invincible, requiring no mental health care or requiring no psychological assistance is incredibly flawed, and it continues to infiltrate the school system, making it so much harder for students to receive mental health care. But with all of the talk about the implications of a lack of mental health curriculum in schools, it's time to raise a potential solution. The main one is to raise awareness for students' mental health and its importance, allowing students to regularly vocalize their concerns. It's just really important to realize that inadequate funding to public schools is also a huge setback here, and that by allocating more money to these schools, these public schools, it'll make it possible to hire more and better mental health professionals to educate students. And while a better mental health curriculum won't completely dissolve all student issues, it's definitely a step that plays a significant role in improving their mental health, allowing them to succeed in a healthy manner. With that being said, that marks the end of today's episode and the end of this two-part series on mental health. Focusing on mental health, its importance, and its implications in students and Black Americans, I hope this two-part series was able to teach you something new about something that affects us all as human beings. To wrap this up, thank you so much for listening to this episode, and make sure to follow my Instagram at a little podcast to receive an infographic on mental health in students this time because I already did one in the Black community, and make sure to tune in next Friday for a new episode. I'll see you next week here on A Little Perspective. <music>